welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 6th of December 2015, entitled Peace in a Troubled World. And the Bible readings are taken from Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 and Luke chapter 2 verses 8 to 14. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. The Gospel of Luke chapter 2. We'll be reading verses 8 through 14. But hold your finger there for just a moment. If you're doing it digitally, I apologize. You're probably in the wrong place already. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. We want to read one verse before we read our main scripture reading this morning. I do invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's most precious and holy word this morning. First of all, from Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. A great promise that says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. May the Lord richly bless the reading and the preaching of his holy word. Amen. This whole heavenly host of angels, the proclamation that they're bringing is in verse 14 there, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. God's glory in the heaven and peace for men upon the earth. The prophet Isaiah had promised a perfect peace, perfect peace, a peace that can't get any better, a peace that's not missing anything, a peace that is perfect in every way. And he promised it to those whose minds were stayed upon God because they trusted in him. May I say to you that the reality of that promise that Isaiah made, the reality of that came true right here in Luke chapter 2 verse 14 when Jesus Christ came into this world. We look around us and we can honestly say peace on earth? <laughs> what in the world are they talking about? I mean, as we, as we look around us, where can we find that peace that was promised? Our headlines, even in recent days with bombings here and bombings there and all these innocent people losing their lives and trying to figure out who to blame and how to respond and all of this. And we say, peace 
on earth. Where is that peace? And then we have all the explanations. How do we have that peace? And you've got, it's a very, very passionate thing for most people. How do we respond? Whose fault is it? Evil just begets more evil if we go and we kill these people and more people are going to come and kill. The Bible does say to overcome evil with good, to love our enemies. But the Bible also gives us great phenomenal responsibilities to protect our family and our lands and our promises. So where, where do we find the answers in all this? To bomb or not to bomb and who to bomb and where to bomb and how much to bomb and how do we respond? Because in the essence, what it is, is pure evil from the pits of hell that is being carried out by mankind. How do we respond in a real way to that? Well, I guess that the pulpit's not the place that I'm going to give you my political views this morning. But I will say this to you, based upon the Word of God, it is an evil world. It is a sin-cursed world. But I declare to you, it's just as sure as there is breath in our bodies today, just as sure as we are here in this place today, that you can have peace amidst all of this trouble that we see in the world. Peace can be found. Peace on earth. You know, we say, well, <laughs> what about peace with even one nation <laughs> or one city or one community or even one family one individual. How can we have that? I love the history of some of the songs that, that we sing. There's a Christmas song I'm sure you're familiar with, and I think I probably gave you the history to this some years back, but I thought it was worth reminding you this morning. The carol goes like this. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. This poem, we'll look at the rest of it in a few moments, was composed by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow a name that's well-known in literature. It was written in the year 1863. It was written on Christmas Day in the year 1863, which was right in the midst of the American Civil War, when families were killing families, when families on both sides were seeing their loved ones taken, the brutality of fighting. The news had came to Henry Wadsworth Longfellow of his son, Charles Appleton Longfellow. He had suffered wounds very badly as a soldier on the battlefield. The Battle of New Hope Church that took place in Virginia during what was known as the Mine Run Campaign. Henry Wadsworth had already lost his wife just two years earlier by an accident the fire. That was after having already lost his first wife through miscarriage when she was giving birth some years earlier. 
He had lost both of his wives, and now here his son, he hears, has been badly wounded on the battlefield, and that's when he sat down amidst that trouble, against that turmoil, and he penned these words. He goes on, and he says, And thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice of chime, a chant sublime, of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then from each Black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born. Of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Those two verses there are not usually recorded in the songs. When they're sung, they're left out because they dealt specifically with what was happening around him. And then he goes on, he says, And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Where is that peace? He says it's being sung about all down through the years. The bell chimes are ringing out and the people are singing it, but where is that peace? Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail. The right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Amidst his deep despair, he came back. Even as he was recounting all the despair, all the trouble that he saw around him. But God's not dead. He will prevail. It is going to be victory for us. And I'm saying to you that as we look around, it's very easy sometimes to Start maybe feeling in some despair. This man had every reason to feel despair. He had lost so much, and it seemed that he was about to lose the rest. He's saying, where is that peace that was promised when Jesus Christ came into this world? Peace can be a very hard thing to find amidst the troublesome circumstances of this life as we look around. But Wadsworth, amidst that, that deep despair, he seemed to, to find the answer there. The answer was in God. God isn't dead. God will went out over this. God has promised us. We have a promise to hang on, hang on to. So where do we find that peace today? How do we find that peace today? Was that promise, was that promise made by the prophet Isaiah? Was that promise made by the angels at Jesus' birth? 
Was it real? Was it something tangible? Well, God cannot lie. If God could lie, then we have no God. His promises are real. They can only be real. It is impossible for God to break a promise. So where is that peace that was spoken of and how do we find it? And that's what I want to give you this morning because folks, it is a troublesome world. And God in heaven knows that sometimes it is so hard to find an answer. And that's why that whether you agree or disagree with whatever particular politicians happen to be in power and making the choices that they make, we have one responsibility as Christians and that's to pray for those who are in power, remembering that ultimately God is sovereign. And the word of God also teaches us that it's he himself that sits men up in power and brings men down. We have a responsibility to pray for them, to make the right decisions, to make the wise decisions. Amongst all of this, amidst all of this, this trouble that's around us, how do we find it? Well, I want to remind you, first of all, of the peace that is promised to you. What kind of peace is that? If it's promised, where is it? What is it? How is it? Glory to God in the highest and on earth Peace, good will toward men. First of all, it would be wrong for us to take that as some kind of a blanket, universal promise of peace to all mankind for all time. The peace that comes as a result of our Lord Jesus Christ entering this world is a peace that is always, always hand in hand with him. It is inseparable from our relationship with him. It is inseparable for that justification that comes only through him that even gives us that relationship. And of course, all that we look at when we see this is not just about some kind of a feeling that we have, whether we feel like it's peace or whether we feel peaceful. May I say that this peace is something that goes well beyond that. It is tangible. It is real. It's not some blanket peace that's given to all. It goes hand in hand with the Lord Jesus Christ. His entering this world and may I say his entering your life. Romans chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore being justified by faith, Therefore, being justified by faith, being in a position before God without our sin that can only come by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. It's not just some feeling. It is a factual reality. It doesn't matter what we're feeling. Regardless of our feelings, this is a fact. That through justification by faith, 
We have peace with God through Jesus Christ as a sinner. Each and every one of us as a sinner are God's enemies. And whether you recognize it and admit it or not, as a sinner, we are at war with God. But it's only as a result of this justification through Jesus Christ that we are reconciled to God, that we are at peace with God, that we are no longer his enemy, that we are no longer at war fighting against him. Notice something else. Another correlation between these two verses. At the same time that they speak of our peace, they speak of God's glory. Both speak of the peace. In fact, this peace that is brought is holy to God's glory. This peace that we're talking about is to God's glory alone. That's the only way that we have it. Peace on earth. Good will toward men. Do you know that it's interesting that this good will toward men, this word that's used here for good will toward men, in every case that it's used, it is used as a sovereign act of an all-powerful God towards man. It's never used any other way. Good will toward men. This good will toward men is an act of God with all the power of the universe. It is his sovereign act towards man. That's the good will that's being talked about here. Good will toward men. See, sadly, sometimes we get the wrong idea about how peace. Peace doesn't come because that we are goodwill toward God. It doesn't even come because we are goodwill towards others. It comes because of God's goodwill toward us, because of what God is doing for us, because of what God has done for us, because of his gift through grace that brings us peace. The peace that is promised is promised to those who have received God's good will, God's good favor, God's grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. That faith that brought us the justification that puts us at peace with God, it's all by God's grace. It's all of God's good will towards man. It's all an act of God. It's not in what we feel like or what we think. It's in what God has done. Glory to God in the highest on earth. Peace, real peace, tangible peace because of God's good will, God's sovereign act of grace towards mankind. That's what Isaiah was talking about when he said, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. That perfect peace. Nothing missing. You see, so many times with man's peace, there's some, some clause here, some clause there. It may almost bring peace, but not quite peace. But God specifically calls this perfect peace. We sing about it in that opening hymn. 
stayed upon Jehovah. You see, that's what Isaiah was saying here. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. You can't get any more at peace with God than you are when you are in Christ Jesus. That's the only place to be at perfect peace with God is in Christ Jesus, the only place that that sin is gone, that there's nothing there, that there is no division. It should have an effect on our lives, shouldn't it? Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of God rule in our hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. That peace of God, he says, let it rule in our hearts. What does he mean by that? Well, the word rule here, I know that some of you ladies probably aren't as crazy about football and some of these sports and things as, as a lot of the guys are, but the word that's used here about this peace ruling in our hearts it's the same word that comes from when we get the idea of an umpire or a referee. The referee rules on that field. <laughs> Whatever he says goes. doesn't matter what you think or what you thought that you saw. He is the one that lays down the law. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. You see... Have you ever maybe been in a fairly peaceful state, but then something happened that just took that peace away from you? It was like it was just destroyed. It was just shattered. You were feeling so at peace, but suddenly it's gone. Well, may I say that as a child of God, just like if you were one of those players out there on the field. If the peace of God is ruling in your heart, just like that referee or that umpire does in that game, when you do something wrong, what does that ref do? He either blows his whistle or he throws down that flag. He gets your attention, and but it stops right there. You don't go on. You can't play anymore. You can't finish the game. You can't do anything until he sorts out what you did wrong right there. See, that's usually what happens in our life. This peace, if the peace of God is ruling in our hearts, when we allow sin to creep in, when we allow a bad feeling towards someone else, a bad thought towards someone else, when we're reacting in the wrong way, whatever it is that is contrary to God, uh, it's going to stop us right there. That's why you lose that peace. It's gone. Well, see, that's what it should be ruling in our hearts. When something gets wrong, we need to listen to what the ref is telling us. We need to listen to what our heart's telling us. We need to get it sorted right there. Whatever we're being cautioned about, it needs to be corrected before we move on. And that's what 1 John 1, 9 is all about. He's talking to the Christians there. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, 
the peace of God. That peace should be ruling. God wants that perfect peace for each and every one of us. But that perfect peace can only be manifest through Jesus Christ. But it's something that should be there all the time. If we're in Christ, it's not something that just comes and goes as a child of God. When you begin to lose your peace, I can promise you, you're going to become miserable. And probably everybody around you is going to become miserable. <laughs> and guess what? It's no fun anymore. <laughs> it's no fun doing what we're doing. And that changes. I mean, it changes the whole atmosphere of our homes and of our churches and everything else because we get things in the way. <laughs> we find that we need to get it corrected. We need to listen to the early warning signs that God gives us. We need to pay attention to getting those things sorted out. We need to let the peace of God rule in our hearts and not to ignore him when he's given us a caution, when he's calling our attention to something that's wrong. Many things, many, many things could be said about that peace on earth that was announced by those angels but what I want you to grasp and realize this morning, yes, we're coming into the Christmas season, and yes, it's a term that gets tossed around a lot. But I want you to look at the promise of God's word and to grasp and understand this is a real peace. It's not just a slogan that can be pinned up. It's not just words that we sing about in a song. It's real and it's genuine. It's a perfect peace that comes. Through Jesus Christ. So how do you get it? How do you get that perfect peace? Well, we've looked at the peace that is promised. I'm talking about a perfect peace, a peace that no matter what's going on on the outside, you've been made at peace with God through Jesus Christ because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And that peace ruling in your heart, in your life, so that you don't lose that peace because of letting sin get in the way, but you let that peace rule so that when he gives you a warning that something is wrong, that you do something to correct it right then. We destroy our peace by not listening. He's promised it to us. He's given it to us. But then when he's there, we don't listen to him. The peace that is promised to you, secondly, the power to provide that peace for you. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Remember, that peace is accompanied. It's tied to God's goodwill toward men. His good favor, his good grace that comes to you through Jesus Christ. That then makes even the promise when Isaiah said it, what was it? Thou, God, God, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. You see, Isaiah is saying that Jehovah God is the one that is responsible for that perfect peace. The angels were proclaiming that it was God in Jesus Christ. 
that was bringing that peace to mankind. God, Jehovah God, will keep him in perfect peace. What I want you to understand of is the peace that is to be had in this world. It's not a peace that is going to be manufactured by man. It's not a peace that can be manufactured by all the wonderful, great, grand things you can do and all the best intentions in the world that you have. It is a peace that only God can give. It is God's grace acting upon you. God gives you that peace. God makes you at peace with him when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You can't produce it yourself. There's no one or anything else in the entire world that, that can give it to you. You know, one of the things that's heartbreaking many times, Brother Dave and I had the opportunity of speaking with a Muslim gentleman the other day. And there's no question of his sincere faith in his God. And, you know, and he was, he was right there as much as any condemning the radical Islam and all these that are doing that and all that, you know, that, you know how bad that was. That, that wasn't really God and all of this. And he was genuine. But, you know, he was convinced. He was convinced that we were talking about the same Jesus. We believe in Jesus. We believe he was a prophet. But the problem is, is that Jesus was far, far, far more than a prophet and the problem is, we're not trying to be unkind. We're not trying to be holier than thou. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God incarnate in the flesh, is the only access that we have to God. There is no other access. There is no other way. And no matter how we try to change that and no matter how sincere that people are, you will never. I preached a sermon. It's been, I don't know, maybe a year or so ago entitled something about how that we could actually defeat the terrorist. How do we deal with the terrorism? One way, win them to Christ. We'll never stop it any other way. We will never. That doesn't mean we don't try. It doesn't mean we sit back and let them destroy. You know, the thing is, there's an awful lot of hard choices and decisions have to be made. What I'm saying is, there will never be peace on this earth in a blanket form until Jesus Christ himself comes back and sets up his kingdom and rules it himself. And that's when the devil has been taken out and all the lost people are out of here and it's him without the curse of sin. In the meantime, I want you to understand that the peace that accompanied Jesus Christ into this world, it's not just some pie in the sky, and it's not just some feeling. It is a literal peace that you can have through Jesus Christ. It is a perfect peace, being at peace with God and having the peace of God rule in your life. But it is something that can only, only, only be given by God. It can't come any other way. There's no other power on earth that can do it. And it can only come through Jesus Christ. There is no other route for it. 
The power to provide that peace is in God's hand and he promised it when he sent his son into this world and he is your access to that peace in your life. It may be literally all kinds of reasons for despair when you look at the circumstances around you. But I'm saying get past the feelings. There is a real, genuine peace that you can have in Jesus Christ. It is a gift of God. It is by his grace. And it is yours, not because you deserve it, not because you're so spiritual, not because you're a better Christian, not because you're a better person, but because God loves you. It is God that has the power to give it to you by his grace because you're in his son. That's the only way that you can ever have this peace. The peace that is promised. The power to provide it. The price that was paid for it. God loved you so much. He paid the ultimate price. He paid the great price so that you could have that peace. Remember, it's his glory that goes with it. All the glory to him because he's the one that did it. He's the one that gives it to you. He's the one that paid for it. It was his act towards man. No other way around. Colossians 1.20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross. We had the children singing power in the blood this morning. You see, the Bible says, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, talking about Jesus, having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, having made peace. Peace. Jesus Christ was made peace. He was the one that established that peace through the blood of his cross. The tense that is used there in the original is speaking of literally once for all act in time, an act that took place one place in time that had its consequences on all of eternity. Jesus Christ, he did it. It was an act a one-time act that he did that would never have to be repeated again. It was done for all time. What he did when he died up on the cross, he died there to pay for your sins. And it was paid for once and for all. There's no other place that you can go except that point in time with Jesus. The angels announced that peace that would be possible by an act of God, because when Jesus Christ came as a babe in the manger, he came for the specific purpose that 33 and a half years later, he would die on the cross, he would shed his blood, he would pay the price for our peace. He would pay the price for your reconciliation to God. 1 Peter 1, 18 to 20. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, 
None of those things. All that religion, all that stuff that's come down to you, all the things that have been done and bought, none of that is what redeemed you. But he says, with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. God had his plan in place. <laughs> it's hard for us. Don't even try to get your mind around all of that. <laughs> God knew before he ever created the first one of us how that we would fail him and what he would do. And he already had the plan in place for Jesus to come to be the only sacrifice for our sins, to die on the cross for those sins. God had it all planned for us that was manifest in these last times for you. Came in the flesh as reality. Who by him do believe in God and raised him up from the dead and gave him glory and your faith and hope might be in God. Acts 20, 28, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. The great responsibility that's put upon the preacher is that he feed the flock because Jesus Christ paid for them with his own blood. We find that there is no doubt the price has been paid and it was paid in so full and it was sufficient for the sins of all men, Jesus Christ was accompanied into this world with a message of peace that is available for everyone today who will accept it. The price was sufficient for your peace. That peace could be yours today, but nobody can accept it for you. The price that was paid, it wasn't cheap. <laughs> It doesn't come cheap, but Christ was willing to pay it for you so that you could be at peace and harmony with God even amidst this troublesome, sin-cursed world with men killing men and innocent people dying all around us. We can still have peace with God. Do you know that peace today? You see, there is a proviso, a proviso to possess that peace. What must you do to possess it? Well, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. May I remind you again that even according to that promise, that verse, that this is a sovereign act of God on his part to bring this peace to you. But there is a condition on it. What did Isaiah say? Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. God gives that peace, that perfect peace, when your mind is stayed on him because that you trust in him. You see, the first part of that verse, the perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee mm -hmm. is because of the last part of that verse, he trusteth in thee. This happened because he trusts in him, what does man do to obtain that perfect peace that comes? He trusts in God. We can look at many places, and we don't have time this morning because our time is running out. In Genesis 15, 6, and he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. It was Abraham. He believed in the Lord. 
And of course, we could read many things about that. Romans chapter 3, verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Because... Abraham got it because he trusted in God. <laughs> you get it today because you trust in God. Everybody, everybody's in the same boat, all of sin. There is no difference no matter where we come from, no matter what our heritage is. We're all sinners. And there's only one path. We can be justified by our faith in Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed on Calvary. The Bible can't be more clear. Romans 4, verse 3, For if Abraham were justified by works... He asked, we're off to glory, but not before God. If, if Abraham could do anything to do it himself, then he's got plenty to glory about, but not before God. <laughs> not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Abraham believed. Abraham trusted what God said. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. If you work for it, it's owed to you. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. <laughs> 